Thank you, Linda. All right, how we doing? Hey, pretty cool, all those kids up here, huh? Anybody awake? Are you? Are you sure? So, um, I was going to show you a, a brief video from the skit guys. I really like them. Actually, it's a pretty long video, so that's why I decided to transition out of it. But we're going to move on today into the message, because I know somebody's got some dinner plans and other kinds of things for moms. Um, but we're going to talk about... Um, Today we're going to talk about women in general, not about them, but about them, you know what I mean? So, um, What a nice day, you know? It's been a weird weather this last couple of weeks, last couple of days, hasn't it? Really, what, when, was it Thursday or Friday? Thursday, Friday. Friday was really nice, wasn't it? That was like, that's like the weather I like every day. Um, but unfortunately, God doesn't ask me, so... Um, But anyway, um, happy Mother's Day. Um, it, I'm, it is a, something that we got to do, and we'll say it about a billion times today. You can see it's Mother's Day. And one of the things uh, I noticed after I put together the bulletin, it's very pink. Did you notice that? My wife can't stand pink. Is there any other ladies in here who don't like pink? Okay, yeah. Isn't that funny that we just assume that way, that you like pink? Um, but anyway... If, you, if it makes you sick, sorry, didn't mean to do that. But I just thought it was interesting. I, um, I was trying to think a lot about Mother's Day because I've got to tell you, a lot of times, you know, we've been doing the series Red Letters and we've been sharing some parables from Jesus. And if you have a Bible, the red letters are what Jesus said. And so they kind of connect with us and we share some parables. So I wanted to stay with that, but I didn't want to do like, I really didn't want to do like the cutesy mother-in-law, the the wife of noble character from Proverbs 31. Um, because guess what? There's some women here who aren't that person. And they still are godly people. Um, I don't want to go back to Timothy where they talk about his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And I didn't want to talk about that kind of stuff. So I just kind of was searching in my mind and through the scripture. And I came to this section in Luke. And as I was t- looking at this, I was thinking about Mother's Day. And I want to show you a picture and a name of someone up here. Are you ready? Here she is. Ann Jarvis. Anna Jarvis. She looks very happy, doesn't she? Anybody know who she is? Anybody know? Anyone at all? Wow, nobody. I'll tell you, she lived in Grafton, West Virginia for a time. And then she ended up, go Mountaineers, um, and then she also lived up near Balakinwood, or if you're visiting and you go up to Pennsylvania, Ballasinweed is what you would call it, right? <laughs> right? And um, anybody been around Ballakinwood? She's actually buried up there. Ain't nobody want to guess? She is the reason we celebrate Mother's Day. And she's not very happy. And I'll tell you, she wasn't. Anna Jarvis was never married and never a mother. Yet she campaigned for almost a decade in order to honor a day um, for a mother. I'm going to say that important. She wanted it to be a Sunday because she wanted it to be a holy day, not a holiday. And she wanted the second Sunday in May because that was the anniversary of the death of her mother. She was extremely close to her mother and Jarvis. And so, as I said, she wanted this holy day. And... She said she wanted a day um, to esteem the truth, purity, and broad charity of mother 
love. Her mother was very active and formed a group called Mother's Day Work Groups who were very active during the time of the Civil War and they worked on healing and bandaging up and helping people from the North and the South. That was her mother, Ann Jarvis. And it made a huge difference in her life. So she really wanted to have this day for her mother. She said, but as things occurred... What we know is the first ceremony occurred in 1908. And legend has it that when she was 12, she overheard her mother speaking to her Sunday school class of a wish of a day to commemorate for mothers that contribute in all fields of life. This stuck with her. And when her mother died in 1905, she began this campaign. Campaign In 1908, she enlisted the help of a guy named John Wanamaker. Anybody know that name? And she bugged him until he couldn't do anything else. But he allowed her to use their auditorium as the first celebration in Philadelphia. And then back at her mother's home church in Grafton, West Virginia, she sent 500 white carnations to the mothers who were there. Well, it quickly became an idea... And she wanted, she didn't stop there. She wanted to be a national proclamation. So she enlisted the power brokers of John Wanamaker and his friends. And he helped fund ways that she could get to people in Washington. And she went and bugged the snot out of Woodrow Wilson until he finally declared it a national holiday in um, 1912. And she was really smart too. She, she had gone to a college and she knew two things, a couple things about marketing. And she trademarked the terms second Sunday in May and Mother's Day with an apostrophe S, singular form, not celebrating because she wanted everybody in the world or anybody she came across to celebrate their mom, not just motherhood. And she said it had to be for everybody to celebrate her mom. So finally, in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson got tired of her and issued a proclamation claiming for the observance of Mother's Day. But as it started and it went, uh, Anna Jarvis got a little bit ticked off, as you can see. Okay? She got so irate how commercial it had become almost immediately where people were advertising popular ways to say thank you to mother. Photographers advertised Mother's Day portraits and sales of chocolates and candies that spiked every year. She, she even threatened to sue the governor um, at one point when uh, New York's governor, Al Smith, over a large Mother's Day celebration he had planned. She attacked Eleanor Roosevelt in 1935, accusing the first lady of crafty crafty plotting to abuse Mother's Day by using it as a fundraising material for her own maternal mortality rate causes. There's a story told that she went to Wanamaker's store one year around Mother's Day, and when she noticed that they were having a Mother's Day salad, she ordered it from the menu. When it came, she turned, dumped it on the floor, left her money, and walked out. She had major issues with how Mother's Day was celebrated. She spent the rest of her life with her sister and her considerable inheritance at the time fighting against the commercialization of what she called her holiday, her holy day. It was a losing battle. She died in 1948, bitter, blind, and partially deaf 
and completely penniless in a Philadelphia mental institution. Her cause was greater than what it had become. Imagine what she would think today with all the commercialization that goes on with that. And so today I wanted to go ahead and focus on not only mothers, but on women. On women. And there's going to be some stuff in there for guys too, but I just want to focus on, on women. They're, they're so diverse. Women are so diverse. You can see a picture up here. They're all wearing the same thing, but they're all different. We have some that are in this room. If I ask you to stand up, some of you have a job or two jobs. Some of you are giving a major job of raising a family, and that is where you're contributing, being a homemaker and running here and there. Some of you are, are doing all kinds of different things. Some of you take care of yourself and anybody else who's around you, and you may be the mother to the neighborhood, as some people are. Am I right? But I guarantee you, if you shared your story, some of you may not be a mother at all, and this day may be one that you're like, I don't like this day very much. But it's about women, because... Every mother I've seen is a woman, right? <laughs> All right? Except for that little book, Are You My Mother? Remember that when you were a kid? Um, and so I want to celebrate women, and I want to celebrate them in the way Christ would have us celebrate that today by looking at some special things that he, that he shared several, several years ago. And to do so, um, I want to look at this verse that was read for us again very quickly um, from Luke chapter 13. Jesus was on the Sabbath. That was the day that everybody gathered in the tabernacle. It was Saturday. is the equivalent of our Saturday. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. Can you imagine going through life like this? There's a couple things that happen. Number one, you get a really good look at what kind of shoes you have on. Number two, you bump into a lot of things. Number three, if you're looking down at the ground the whole time and can't see what's ahead of you, what does that do to your personality and who you think you are? Eighteen years of her life, she was like this. And here she is, still in an environment to worship God. And as she was there, it says Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now let me tell you, if you think we stand up and sit down a lot, or you think that you've been part of another denomination, another area, that you sat down and said a lot, can you imagine being 18 years like this, and immediately Jesus touches you, you stand up, oh yeah, the hands are going to go up too, am I right? And you're going to begin to praise Him with everything that you've got and everything that you have. But then this thing occurred where the, the rulers were indignant because he healed on the Sabbath, because it was against their law to do any kind of work. And he said, hey, you should come back another day. This is a woman who has been dealing with this for 18 years. And they're more concerned about the legalism. And of course, because she was a woman in that society, they could care less. And they're more concerned about their legalism and their religious rulings than they are the fact that Jesus just did something incredible in this woman's life. And Jesus told, called them hypocrites, which doesn't near you and dear you to people. And he said, you guys work by untying your ox and your donkey. And that's, and that's so important to you. Shouldn't it be more important? And he says this. 
then should not this woman, parenthetically, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And it said, when he said this, they were humiliated, but the people were delighted with the wonderful things that he was doing. Why in the world would I share this message today? I don't have a clue. Um, No. Um, Because when we look at women, I dare say that throughout the long history, thousands of years of the church, there's not been a group that has been as strong and as abused and appreciated at the same time as women. We have all kinds of regulations. We take Paul out of context to tell women to be quiet in the church unless they're taking care of the Sunday school kids or the nursery or unless they're singing or unless they're doing this. But God forbid they teach somebody. Right? And I think it's a wrong because as I see what Jesus says, he broke away a lot of those molds. And that's why I wanted to get to this today. And I want to share some things. So if you have your, um, your bulletin, I've got some blanks that are in here. And if you have a smartphone, you can click on that. If you're not hooked to Wi-Fi, and just put stuff on the Facebook page so I can see if I made any sense today. All right? But the first thing that we've got to look at that... Women and men, too, you can apply this to your life. But the first thing that challenges us from having an impact in life is this. The opinions and rules of others. If you want something that will challenge your extension in a journey with Christ, deal with somebody else's rules and let them put them on you as weight. The Apostle Paul spent a lot of his time in in the book of Romans and Hebrews and a lot of different scriptures telling people, why do we keep putting weighty things on people when it's about grace and the love of God who saves us? Then I'm a sinner saved by grace. And it's not about works. Works come out out of my relationship with Christ. I want to do good from what he, he said and for what he's done in my life, not because I have to do it. Jesus did so much to dare down these walls that that had been given to them. So the first thing that we have here is the opinions and the rules of others. You know, it's really interesting. Jesus mentioned that she was a woman of, or daughter of Abraham. You know, this story has been used by years, and I've even used it as one to talk about that how they were caught in their legalism about the Sabbath. But I really believe it's more about the woman and about Jesus breaking down their legalism walls about women and God's call in their lives. Why? Because he could have said, what's better for me to heal this woman who Satan has oppressed for 18 years? Instead, he says, this woman, daughter of Abraham. What he was reminding them is something that I think we all need to get a good dose of, is that whether you are male or female, Jesus came for you, and the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus lives within you, and he's called you to a calling in his life in your life, to to go and share him with many other people. In other words, he's saying she is a daughter of that same promise that all you have. He cared about her because she was an heir of the blessings that God had for her, that Christ had for her. So when you look at this woman, what do you see? Let me take a guess. If I were her husband, say I was her husband, what do I see? I see her like this all the time. I see that it depends on the lens I look through, right? Let's, let's bring it up to today's day. If, if that was my, my wife now, if I'm looking at the lens from the world, you see the lens of the world? Women, how easy is the lens of the world? They tell you you have to be a certain size, right? 
tell you you have to look a certain way, act a certain way. Am I right? Is it tough? Is it, is it difficult to be a woman today? You never know what you're fully going to deal with. There have been all kinds of things we'll talk about in a second. Um, if it's through the advertising lens of today, it's difficult, isn't it? Guys, we're lucky. Sometimes we just get to roll out of bed, put a little stuff on, a little wipe here and there, and get out the door. Am I right? A little shave, nip and tuck. There we go. Right? Suck it in. Right? But for women, it's different. The world tells you. And it's changed over the years. Or what if it's with the Word of God? If we look at her in the Word of God, we see her as Jesus did, a valuable woman who is under oppression and has a valuable stance that she needs to come to with the Lord. What if you reversed it? Um, what if you today are, are, are a woman and you want to put that to your husband? What do you see if you see your husband in the eyes of the world? You may see that he's arrogant. You may, and it may be true. You may see that he's lazy, lets me do everything. You may see that he's a loving person, but I can't have a discussion with him. You may see that he cares about himself or he cares too much about me, and I take advantage of that. What if you look at him in the nature of God? Do you see your husband as a man after God's own heart? Somebody that you want to see the glory of God revealed in and vice versa. I think if any of us apply the lens of the world to somebody who we love and care about, guess what? We're going to be disappointed. You know what? Because if you look, you're going to see an extra couple pounds, uh, a little nastiness here and there, a little frustration. Jesus challenges this uh, for us in several different ways. So the first thing that he does is the opinions and rules of others. You know, you can see that verse of Scripture right there. They got upset because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, not because he did something uh, miraculous. And that blank underneath there says, ridiculous rules keep you from being who God truly intended you to be and to be seen as. Anybody ever dealt with a ridiculous religious rule? Anybody? Anybody? You want to? I'll give you some. Okay, we tell people we we sing we sing one of my my favorite old hymns is just as I am. Billy Graham used that. Many people have come to Christ through Billy Graham in in the side everyone from the sidewalk to a, a a big stadium and somebody was singing just as I am without one plea, but that, that blood was shed for thee. But when somebody comes just as they are, we don't like them as they are. And we try to give them lots of religious rules. We tell them what version of the Bible that we need to read. We tell them um, how they need to speak and how they need to do this. Because we don't like people like they are. But as I see in the scripture, Jesus is the one who changes people. Not me and not my religious rules. There have been so many religious rules that have hurt people. Anybody been hurt by religious rules? I remember discussions where people got offended because of a concept of who brought a cake instead of a pie. I'm not joking, am I? That's ridiculous. Or, God forbid, that you come to the time of Christmas season and somebody else sings a song that somebody else is supposed to sing. If you dare sing Oh Holy Night when that person is supposed to sing it, look out, it's going to be Holy Night, Bloody Night. Am I with, are you with me here about this ridiculous way that we've veered off of what God has intended for us? The next thing that we see is the physical 
oppression, the physical oppression in her life. We learn that a woman was there who had been crippled for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up. Her body was broken. I've seen over the last year, Jill and I have seen our parents who were such strong, strong people for the Lord. Many of you benefited from that. I know Bobby shared that. I know the, the Smith clan has shared that, right? And I know some others that are in this room have benefited from dad's years of ministry and mom's years of mu- music ministry. And I've seen to the point where their body is breaking down. I've not seen their faith go away, but I've seen it shaken because they feel helpless. And because I know for dad, he doesn't feel that he has a place anymore. Because he, for 30 plus years, everybody needed him and he was doing the work of the Lord. And it's hard for him. It's hard for him. So that's why we have a glimmer of hope. You're like, yeah! And we have something we go, no! Right? When you have a physical oppression or a physical infirmity, it will control your life if you're not careful. And women, I want to tell you something. Back in 1997, there was an article called The Body Project. And what they did is they compared diaries from women, uh, young girls from the 19th century to the earliest 20th centuries. And what they found was from the, early ni- from the 19th century to the early 20th, everything that they wrote in there, young women were focusing on good works. How they wanted to have high character and do good things in life. From that point on, from the, from the roaring 20s on, it has changed more and more. And now when they look in diaries, and real quick, anybody ever peeked at your daughter's diary? You don't, they're sitting next to you, so you don't want to tell them. Is that right? Um, but anyway, from the mid, from the early 20th century to the 21st today, what they found is now the focus is not on good works, but it's on good looks. How I can look better. I was running one day, and I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm running, and I found this sheet of paper. So Jack, being the inquisitive person that he is, decides to stop. I pause it, and I pick it up. It was humorous, but it was also sad. It was obviously from a young girl who was either in middle school or high school who was dealing with her own lack of self-worth, And she was sharing about all the things she wouldn't tell herself because of this relationship that this guy didn't want her at all. Now, some of the things are really humorous. I'll admit to you. If you want, I'll show it to you later. No, just joking. Um, I got rid of it. But I was, what what I stopped and thinking is, oh my gosh, this girl is dealing, she's writing down stuff. None of it has to do with her character. Every single bit of it is how I look and how I feel and how I need to be so that he'll accept me. And that's sad. But guess what? The church has been doing that to women since the early part of Christianity. We've been telling them that they have a certain role and they have a certain place, but not in other areas. And that's wrong. It's wrong. And so what I find out is, don't let your bentness block your blessing. Don't let your bentness block your blessing. When, when you have a bad image of yourself, don't let that block the blessing that God has for you. Let him straighten you up and worship him. Everybody good? And that leads us to this next one, which kind of bleeds in from the first one. The, the, the third thing is the opinion of self. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up. Do you realize that this woman sat there 
and never, ever called Jesus over? Never sat and shared with him what, what her problem was? She either accepted her circumstance, or as I know um, many women do, they deal with it and move on. This is my lot in life. They may not be happy about it, but they deal with it. Put themselves aside a lot of times and see that. And you may be some men who are like that. But the bottom line is, the opinion of self was changed. We talked about the body project and what, what happens there. And many of us have an opinion of ourself. I, I've known people who, are, who we would say should be models in, 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 in magazines. And I've seen them think that they have such a low opinion of themselves. That they look in a mirror and they see somebody they hate every day. Does this make sense to anybody? And yet, we do nothing about it. Because here's the problem. You know, the problem is this. The problem is, whatever you think you are, you are. I've told people several times in life that perception is reality. To, To whoever it is, it's reality to you. And reality has caused all kinds of epidemics in life. Good, bad, and indifferent. So what is Jesus' challenge to the status quo? Jesus challenges the status quo here by a couple different things. Number one, throughout the scriptures, Jesus condemns the objectification of women as objects. And how do do you know that, Jack? In Matthew 5, 28 through 29, he says, But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with his heart with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. That is not fair, God. He did not live where it is on my television every five seconds. He has never been to the beach with me. And he's never been called on by his wife to change a tire. A couple weeks ago, all right? If you want to go back a couple weeks ago, just listen to it on the web, you know what I mean? Um, That's not fair, is it? We're going to have to go around like this. It's like the old story um, about this man who was in, in church. And Sister Johnson saw a cobweb. It was a church that had a balcony. You guys remember those? And in the balcony, she was reaching over, trying to get the cobweb, trying to get the cobweb. And she was reaching over like this, trying to get it, trying to get it. And she fell over, and she was holding on, but she had a dress on. And the minister said, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Nobody look up, or else you'll be struck blind in the eye. And an old man in the back said, one eye, Lord. Right? I'll let that sink in for a while, okay? 